You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a hump day edition of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home. For the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. There is a new scoring king in the NBA. LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar last night in a close loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, LeBron now holds a record that took 39 years to break. You say records are meant to be broken, but for a long time, people thought that Kareem would hold that record forever. Well, you know, history has a way of catching up with you, if, if you will. Producer extraordinaire, the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing good, Matt. How about you? I'm doing swimmingly. Just peachy keen perfect. It's a Wednesday. We're halfway there. We are indeed halfway there. We are halfway there. We are coming over the hump, which is why they call it hump day. But anyways, you know, you you look at LeBron last night breaking the NBA all-time scoring record. And obviously that is something to be impressed by, regardless of, of how you feel about LeBron. But I, I want to say this. The GOAT conversation is dumb. It's dumb. You can't compare them. You cannot sit here and compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James. They played two completely different eras. They played two completely different styles. You you just can't compare them. Are they the greatest of their generations? Yes. 100% hands down. But if you had to have a greatest of all time conversation in the NBA. And this is just my opinion. You are allowed to have whatever opinion you want to have. That is why this country is as great as it is. Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Michael Jordan's, in my opinion, the greatest player to ever do and he will be the greatest player to ever do it for a very long time, in my opinion. I am just so much more impressed with, in a tougher era of basketball, where a lot less fouls were called, and you played a more traditional style of basketball, that Michael Jordan was able to do the things that he, that he did. He won six titles with the same team, Two separate three-peats, which never happens anymore. He won nine scoring titles in his career. 
He was an all-defensive player for most of his career. And he didn't, the, the, the biggest thing for me is that he didn't have to chase a ring. LeBron did. And then when he wanted to bring one back to Cleveland, he recruited his buddies to do so. And then went to L.A., recruited his buddies yet again, and won another one. And in, in the day of super team basketball, that's fine, whatever. But in my opinion, that kind of diminishes it a little bit. Again, LeBron holding the all-time scoring record, very impressive. And I'll admit, I stayed up way later than I normally do to watch it happen. But you can't compare LeBron and Michael. You just can't. Miguez up past 10 o'clock? Dude. That's ridiculous. I know. Dude, I don't know how you're functioning right now. I... It, yeah, I know. It's kind of it's kind of wild. Uh, I was I was up till eleven thirty last night, which is way. That's just an odd, ungodly amount of time. Way late for me. I'm usually mm-hmm. asleep by ten. That's just ridiculous for you, Miguez. Come I'm on. usually asleep by ten. You need to do better. I'm a grandpa, even though I'm twenty five. Uh, I I I don't do anything socially. I go home, watch TV, go to bed. Like that's what I do. Um, but no, seriously, I, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. LeBron broke an insane record last night. But James, you agree with me that you just can't compare the two because of the fact that they played in completely different eras and played completely different styles of basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just it's pretty much for every sport. You can have your preferences on who you would rather. Because you can always just have a preference, but it's like it's so difficult to say who's definitively better because different positions, different areas of basketball, different rule sets, correct, different ways the game has been played. I mean, it's just yep. it's different. So, it, and there's no definitive way to really say that. You can have your preference on why you think this person is better, and it's not just basketball; it's for every sport, it's for everything. You can have a preference. And you can always manipulate stats and ideology to mold it pretty much your way. But at the end of the day, it's just your opinion. There's no definitive right. fact. And, you know, you ever heard the phrase, you know, soak it all in and stop and smell the roses? Yeah, like enjoy the moment. Nobody did that last night. No. Everybody. You, you see the picture of LeBron hitting his shot. Everybody's got their phone up. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Every single person. I mean, I get it. Compared. And I get it. You wanna you wanna be your own type of special because you you found a way to go to the Lakers game and you, you paid want- the ninety thousand dollars to get in there and so it's like I mean of course it's definitely your right to right. go video like there we're not we're not dissing you because of it. It's just funny that every single person is doing it. It's like I have my moment. We're, look, look I, here's my angle. Everybody in the section has the same angle you, as you. You you watched it happen through your phone screen instead of actually watching it happen. And it's just funny whenever you compare it to like Jordan hitting one of his crazy shots, mm-hmm. everyone was just watching. Yep. And that's that's just how the changes of time has happened. It's not a total diss. It's just funny how even for me, I could always just go back and watch the moment. But in my mind, I'll always remember, oh, I was there for 
Oh, Le- of course. LeBron hitting the fadeaway shot to pass Kareem. Absolutely. And you know I don't I don't need my phone. You can have it for proof. But it's like I mean I could always just show my ticket and I could always just go back to watching it on the YouTube highlights. Mm-hmm. One thing I find interesting though is if you look back at Jordan's journey, not Jordan's journey, LeBron's journey to this record, anytime he passed somebody key on the list, they lost. The night he passed Michael, they lost. The night he passed Kobe, they lost. The night he passed Carl Malone, they got killed. Every single time he took a step on that ladder, they didn't win the game. It almost makes you feel like the focus was not on winning the game, just LeBron getting LeBron get, to LeBron that get, point. Get, get to your record. Yeah. And I hate that. And it's like, do we know that for sure? No. Feels that way, though. Because it's like, why, why do you keep losing? But, hey, as long as LeBron got his. And then also, obviously, it's a huge moment for him to break the scoring record. But did you really have to stop the game? Well, to be fair, they kind of did the same thing with Drew's records anytime he would do it on Monday Night Football. Not like they did last night, though. I mean, they brought the family down to the court. LeBron gave a speech. When when Drew broke his touchdown record or, or the yardage record, you know, they handed him the ball. He saluted the crowd, and that was really about it. You don't remember the 2018 one? That might, I think it was because he had – I think Drew had thrown the touchdown Correct. to Traquan Smith, so then it was like after that – I still think they took a they took a good little minute, uh, like two minutes maybe. It it wasn't it wasn't as drawn out as last night. I mean, dude, LeBron and Kareem and the commissioner literally gave a speech. They stopped the game for fifteen minutes. That it, it was absurd. Do that after the game. That's absurd. You stopped the game with ten seconds remaining in the third quarter for everybody to hold a miniature press conference. Now, again, I I understand the significance. I'm not trying to bash the significance of him winning the scoring title. I'm not. I I get it. I just think that the long, drawn-out ceremony of it all could have waited till after the game. Let's go to the game hotline now. Jay, what's up? So I guess you've never seen Barry Bonds break uh, Hank Aaron record, and they stopped the game, and uh, they had a, a trip. Uh, Hank Aaron spoke. So you never see any of this. You never seen when Mark McGuire hit the home run, they stopped at his family. So you never seen any of this. This is the first time you've seen something like this take place. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm not saying that. I just because because I because <laughs> I agree I agree that those moments were wild too. The fact the fact that a game gets completely halted for longer than a couple minutes to hold a ceremony because that's what happened last night. It's absurd. Cal Ripken walked around the field about 30, 45 minutes ceremony and we we tripping over this. Wow. Okay. Um, what, what you said? Hey, man. I I don't know, man. You said Jordan. You said Jordan the greatest. Yes. In your opinion, Jordan the greatest. Yes. And you never seen this man play. You you never seen this man play, and you saying he the greatest. And that that that's what's getting me. You never seen that man play. 
are, are you telling me that I've never watched Michael Jordan play? Yes, I'm telling you that. You've seen highlights. You didn't see games because you're too young, man. Like I say, hey, man, like I say, there's some people I think that's some of the greatest, but I would never say that because I've never seen them play. I want, you know what I'm saying? I can only, I can only feel that my greatest can only be the people that I've seen play, even though I know that some athletes that's greater than some of the dudes I think that's great. I know this for a fact. I know Willie Mays is probably one of the greatest ever. But, hey, i never seen him play, though. Uh, I'm not sure where you're trying to go with that, Because the reason I'm saying that, you uh, define tougher. You said a tougher era. What, what do you mean by that? What, what do you mean? Tougher? It was a much more physical brand of basketball. Less fouls were called. You were allowed to make more contact near the rim in Jordan's era than you are today. And you also you also weren't allowed to even touch Michael Jordan. Man, they had so many phantom calls. Like I said, man, you you had to be there. You know what I'm saying? That's all I have, that's all I'm gonna say on that one. You had to be there. You you can sit up here and say you're the greatest, but I need to, I need to hear that coming from somebody uh, 35 plus. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You have a good one. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate the call. I've seen enough highlights. I've seen enough game tapes. I have watched full games of Michael Jordan to be able to state that I think he's the greatest basketball player to ever play. I don't know how you can only be a certain age and if you didn't see them live, you can't. Like Just just because I didn't see Larry Bird or Michael Jordan play I, or Magic Johnson, I can't say any of them were for, forgive, some of the best. Forgive me that I'm not 25, but I've studied basketball since the day I could walk. I've seen enough tape to know what Michael Jordan was able to do. I've seen enough tape to know what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was able to do. Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon. I could go on and on and on. I will argue until I'm blue in the face that Michael Jordan is the greatest player to ever play. We'll take a timeout, continue crunch time right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab. And you'll be well on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's just that simple. And it's all from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 420, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. Let's go there now. Ted, what's up, man? Yeah, last caller said he wanted to hear somebody over 30. Well, I'm 50. It's ridiculous. They got away with much more traveling today in today's game. They take three, four steps, five steps. Nobody calls it. I mean, even the play that LeBron got fouled on, he took three steps and they didn't call it. That's before the foul happened. And they had whole sets of rules to hack Jordan. They had to come up with rules, flagrant fouls. They exist because of Jordan. It's ridiculous. I'm 50. 
He's the best ever. That's all I got. Appreciate the call, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I I didn't mean bringing up LeBron James for it to go off 50 feet in the opposite direction, but, I mean, again, you can't compare them. It was two totally different eras. But I digress. Uh, enough of that. You know, looking at the other top stories in the world of sports, James, you'll love this one. NFL commissioner Roger Goodell has defended, has gone to the defense of NFL officiating. He held his annual Super Bowl week press conference, and he said, and I quote, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. Now, I'm going to repeat that again. And speaking of NFL officiating, Roger Goodell said, and I quote, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. Yikes. There there are times that you have been wrong, sir. You have never been more wrong in your entire career. Let's go to the game hotline. Crab Man, what's going on? What's going on? What's all the fuss about Jordan and LeBron? And look. Look, Michael Jordan was a great player. He was a great scorer and everything with the basketball. But as far as I knew, as, as when I was growing up, I always thought, I always thought cause that's what I was made to understand. I thought that was the right way to look at it and everything. But people nitpick so much because they don't like one guy over the other. But I thought when you were the most complete basketball player, player that equates to being the best. Now it's about, you know, how many championships you won and, they traveled in this and that and this era and all this other junk people trying to come up with just to downplay another guy. It just, it's, it's, it's terrible, man. It's terrible. This guy would never – he could have won 10 titles or whatever. People would have still been saying Michael Jordan the best and whatever, whatever. It's just like like I said, people just love the guy and will never let him go. And I heard somebody say something about the rules or whatever. Change. Yeah, they changed the rules because he cried about, how, about getting his butt whipped all the time. That's why they changed the rules. The same way the American public did when they cried for Josh Allen because he lost to Patrick Mahomes. So they changed the rule to make it that way. This time, if you play him again, you go win. Well, this time it didn't happen. He lost. So as the same thing would happen with Baldy. Baldy and Charlotte, same thing. He cried, getting his butt whipped all the time. And then when he finally broke through, he won one championship. Everybody was calling him the best player ever. I mean, come on. So you tell me what kind of butt kissing that is. Like I said, he was a great player. Great mid-range score. He was more graceful than LeBron, if you want to say that. But that don't really totality you of being the best player because you have six championships and you didn't lose one and stuff. I mean, I thought, like I said, when you're the most complete player, the impact on the team and all your scoring and your rebounding and your passing and your defense, your leadership and all this other stuff, I thought all that really equates to you being the best. But like I said, people just so stuck on the guy and – the previous caller talking about he's 50, so that automatically stamp it. So what? So am I. But I'm not going to sit here and kiss his butt and say he's the best ever because I watched his career. I watched his whole career, too. And I watched Kobe's. I watched LeBron's, Dwayne Wade's, McGrady's, all these guys, Timothy Duncan. All of them were great. But I just think LeBron's the most complete basketball player ever. So to me, that equates to being the best ever. So if he's not the best ever because of this and that, that's just nitpicking. But you look at totality – it's, he's by far the best player ever. I hang up and listen. No, to be fair, Crab Man, 
couldn't you say the same? Okay. To be fair, couldn't you just say the same thing about LeBron? I I've seen him cry quite a few times looking for fouls. It's all and I remember all he, he does. And I remember he would talk a lot to the refs like, "Hey, I'm not getting fouls." So that's why you had seen him start to flop a lot more because you don't see a six nine guy that weighs what two sixty fly five feet back. And you see from a guy that's six three. We're, we're talking about how LeBron's a better scorer than MJ. That's the case. Then why is LeBron only won one scoring title? Jordan had nine. Jordan had ten. I'm sorry. Jordan had ten. He was a nine-time all-defensive player. He was a 14-time all-star, 11-time NBA player, five-time league MVP, and a six-time NBA champ. And every single championship that he won, he was the finals MVP too. Let's go to the hotline. Darren, what's up? What's up? The, the last caller said the same thing that I was going to say. And LeBron is a more complete player. Uh, the only thing, me and you had this conversation before on air. Le- Le- LeBron is, is top 10 in assists, points, rebounds, and, and every category you could think of. Jordan, Jordan is not. George, LeBron is a more complete player. And to me, that, that makes him the best player ever. Jordan led his team to two three-peats. LeBron been there ten times. Jordan has not. And Jordan had hit that brick wall at the beginning of his career, and I don't think he would be able to take his team to the championship ten times. And Jordan had an easier path to those championships. Who he faced in those championships can't compare to the team LeBron faced in those championships. I would rather be there ten times and, and, and lose six times because the teams that LeBron faced those ten times were, were, were way better than those teams Jordan faced. And, and you can't tell me nothing about it. You understand what I'm saying? Because the competition now, I don't care what y'all say, it, it is way better than the competition they had back then. The, the, that filing junk that y'all talking about, that, 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 that's nothing. Because the, the, the teams that he faced, to get there, probably were harder. But in those finals, man, LeBron would have killed those teams. He, he, he would have had six rings if he had to face those same teams that, that Jordan had to face to, to win those rings. But if Jordan had to face those Steph Curry teams, those those, those Spurs teams, and, and, and those those same Celtics teams, man, I, I, man, bro, y'all, y'all, could, y'all could miss me with that jump. Fair enough. You're entitled to your own opinion. All right, bro. Appreciate the call, Darren. I mean, look, it, it's everybody's opinion. If you think LeBron's better, you think LeBron's better. If you think Michael's better, you think Michael's better. It, it's, not a, it, it's not a proven, you can't prove it who's better. Because there's stats either way that you could make a valid argument as to why said person is better than the other. But again, the the fact that we're even having this conversation, I'll go back to my original point. It's very hard to compare the the two because of how different the games are. Completely different styles of ball. But again, you know, going back to the the top story about Roger Goodell, 
I'm not sure what NFL he was watching. But this was probably one of the worst officiating jobs in the NFL. This season collectively was probably one of the worst officiating jobs that I've ever seen. But we will take a timeout here on Crunch Time. And when we return, Kate Dubon, the vice president of the American Gaming Association, we will join us on the game hotline and we will talk about Super Bowl 57, some betting odds, some betting numbers and statistics to get to, all that right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The only app you need at your Super Bowl party this year is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Download FanDuel now and use promo code KLWB to bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to to who even will score a touchdown in the game. I'm going to take AJ Brown for an anytime touchdown because there's no way in my eyes that he goes through the entirety of the playoffs without reaching pay dirt. All on an app that's top rated, it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you'll get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today with promo code KLWB for a no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Refunds issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Before we get to our guest, got to mention bad accidents on Evangeline Thruway at the intersection of the Thruway and Willow southbound. So if you're traveling on the Thruway southbound near Willow, please be careful. Avoid the area if possible. Bad accidents in the area due to the weather we are experiencing outside. So again, if you're hearing us right now on the road, just be very careful with traveling home to your family. But look, you know, Super Bowls this Sunday, last year, the American Gaming Association estimates that Americans wagered more than $7.5 billion on the Super Bowl. This year, the AGA projects it to go up even more with Super Bowl 57 taking place in a legal sports betting state for just the first time. Now in 36 states and D.C., legal sports betting continues to attract new fans while taking significant shares from the illegal market. Kate DeBon, Vice President of the American Gaming Association, is joining us on the game hotline to discuss. Kate, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. So looking ahead to to the game on Sunday between the Chiefs and Eagles, about how many Americans are you guys at the AGA forecasting that they'll 
who will be wagering on the game, and about how much do you think that they will be betting? Sure. The Super Bowl is the most bet upon upon, uh, event of the year. And this year we're seeing 50 million American adults who say they're going to bet. They're going to bet up $16 billion uh, on the Super Bowl this year. Big game. We have obviously a big engaged fan base with the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. So that helps drive up those numbers. And fans are split on who uh, who's going to win the game. Uh, An even number plan to bet on the Eagles and the Chiefs. So what are you... You know, obviously, there, there's data and statistics that, that go into this. What are you seeing as a reason as to why the, the numbers are jumping up so increasingly from 7.5 billion to 16 billion? Yeah, I mean, part of it is the market's grown. Legal market, legal sports betting has gone from one to 34 legal markets in the last five years. Legal handle is up 60 percent year over year. We know Louisiana is one of those states that went online just before the, the Super Bowl last year, so we're seeing increased interest in, in legal betting. Uh, and then, you know, there's a big migration of Americans from illegal sports betting outlets to legal sports betting. Um, we've taken 60% of the action from unregulated operators over the last five years, and we expect that conti- to continue. And then something that's unique about the Super Bowl is just the casual betting, as we've kind of moved um, to uh, a different space with covid uh, more families and friends are getting back together, so you'll see, you're seeing a rise in those casual bets uh, and, and pools and squares uh, on the Super Bowl this year. Now, I, I know legalized sports betting is is still kind of you know a, a fairly new thing in the last you know 20 years or so, but for this to be the first Super Bowl in a legal sports betting state it is just wild to me. What is what does it mm-hmm. mean for the industry? To, for, for that to be taking place this Sunday? I mean, five years ago, it was unthinkable that uh, someone could be watching the Super Bowl in the stadium and placing a bet on their phone, and that's the reality of this year in Arizona. Um, it's a testament to the progress we're making against the legal market and the mainstreaming of, the, of our business. Uh, you know, sports betting used to be confined to Nevada or, you know, your corner bookie, and uh, today it's transformed consumer entertainment, innovated how, you know, we interact with sports and importantly generated millions of tax dollars for states nationwide. Um, it also reflects how, you know, with the legal market's growth, we've put responsible gaming first. We want to make sure that fans, you know, set a budget and play socially and know the odds and, you know, like I said, play with legal operators. Now, you know, you, you talked about how just in the last five years, legal sports betting has has grown exponentially and will continue to grow. So from estimations and things like that, what are you seeing as the future of legal wagering in the U.S.? Well, today, more than half of American adults live in a state with live legal sports betting, which is tremendous growth, you know, from Nevada in 2018 to 30 states, 36 states in Washington, D.C. with legalized sports betting. Last year, we hit $100 billion in, uh, in wagers annually, and that's up 60% year over year. So, you know, we're seeing this continued growth. I think we're going to continue to see um, fans get in on the action. It adds a little bit of fun to games. You know, our research shows that NFL fans uh, who bet, the 34% of fans, find that sports betting has made watching a game more fun. Uh, and we're excited to see that and where this can go. Kate Dubon, Vice President of the American Gaming Association, joining us here on the Game Hotline. If Americans want to bet on the game Sunday, what should they know? How can they bet responsibly? Things like that. Of course, this is a really important thing to talk about. Whether it's your first time betting or you're a regular better, 
uh, make sure you have a game plan to bet responsibly. This means setting a budget and, importantly, sticking to it. Uh, keeping it social, you know, Super Bowl is a fun time to get with family and friends, so make sure that, you know, you're doing it with the uh, folks around you. Know the odds uh, to learn the games you're playing and play with legal regulated uh, sports books in Louisiana. There's plenty of them, and you can go to haveagameplan.org to find out uh, which, op- which sports books are legal uh, where you are. And then lastly, you know, uh, the American Gaming Association is a, is a great organization that promotes legal sports betting and ways to do it responsibly, like you just mentioned. If our listeners wanted to learn more about the AGA, where could they go to do that? AmericanGaming.org or HaveItGamePlan.org. Kate DeBond, the vice president of the American Gaming Association. Kate, before you run, I, I got to get a pick from you. Who wins the Super Bowl? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm based here in D.C., and I'm going to say Eagles uh, only because uh, my husband's family is from the Philly area. Kate, so let's go Eagles, I guess. Kate, appreciate your time as always. Have a good one. Thanks so much. And there she goes, Kate DeBon, the vice president of the American Gaming Association. Now, j- just in case you missed the statistic, last year, they estimated that Americans wagered more than $7.5 billion on the Super Bowl. Now, 365 days later, they're estimating that 50 million Americans will wager upwards of $16 billion on the Super Bowl. That is what? That is wild. $16 billion on one game. James, you, you going for a correct score bet again this year? You, 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 you going to get it? I mean, how could I not? <laughs> what, 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 what you feeling? 34-31? Oh. No. I'm, you, I'm looking at more of like, I don't know. This is probably wrong because, I mean, where are the odds I hit this two times in a row? But maybe like a 31-21? 31-21, okay. That, that, was, that was my initial number thinking of can't necessarily say who I'm going with right I'm about, away. I'm about to ask you, you know, who, who in favor of who? Uh, I, can't, I can't say that just yet. We're still only Wednesday. He said, he said that's confidential information. That's classified information. And you are not, you don't have the proper security clearance to no. receive that information. I got to talk with Mr. President. Correct, correct. Um, before we take a timeout, looking at some more top stories, Brock Purdy got a little bit of good news. And it's not Tommy John surgery anymore. He just needs... To repair the UCL, surgery will take place on February 22nd. And the kid will be back by training camp. And according to his doctors, he'll be ready to go for the season. There you go. It'll be interesting to see how the other QB in San Fran, and I'm not talking about Jimmy G, how that'll work out. Ooh, Trey Lance. We love some Trey Lance around here. Said no one ever. Um, I was going to say, are you sure? Said said no one ever. You... you, Another thing to, to monitor. Earlier today, Darren Carr, the older brother of Derek Carr, posted on Twitter. I didn't realize that there were three of them. I didn't either. I thought it was just David and Derek. Right? And then I see a Darren. I'm like, yeah. what? He posted a graphic of Derek wearing a Saints jersey, and it said, life's a, drink, life's a movie. But James, that tweet has since been deleted. Hmm. He texts him, bro, what you doing? That tweet has since been deleted. So I'm not sure what that means. Maybe I'm looking into it too much. But I'm starting to think that maybe the meeting in New Orleans 
went a lot better than than thought. Or actually, I was gonna say may not have gone very well. You think maybe he jumped the gun? Correct. And then the, and then they looked at it like, and then the meeting didn't go Do well. Looks so he's like deleting it. Hmm. Uh, maybe I'm looking too far into it, but that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. It could go very easily either way. So, if news breaks that Derek Carr is the Saints' new quarterback, obviously we will bring it to you right as soon here as we can on the game as as soon as we possibly can. But we'll take a time out here, wrap up hour number one right after this. This is crunch time on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Red Bird Ministries. Hit the link at Farm Alley Golf Course while supporting a great cause with all proceeds from the tournament going towards Red Bird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com and together we can make a difference. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Getting away from LeBron Jordan because that wasn't supposed to become a debate. That was just a talking point. Still your preference on who you want. But looking at the foodie poll question of the day, it's Super Bowl theme. What's your favorite kind of Super Bowl food that you want to go to for a party? You you thinking wings? You know, you thinking pizza? Chili's an option or something else? Right now, fifty about fifty three percent is going towards wings. About twenty seven percent is going towards pizza. Two percent has chili, Matt. While the rest goes to other. Over a hundred votes so far. So if you haven't voted yet, go ahead and vote on the foodie poll question of the day. Give me wings. Give you wings. Give I, me wings. Look, I love me some wings. I You can't go wrong either way with pizza or wings. Whatever you bring to the party, if you bring both, awesome. But if you bring either one or the other, I'm not going to complain. However, I don't know about you, I'm not a chili guy. I I could live with hot dogs, but don't give me a chili dog. I will, I will eat chili if it's got, like, cornbread with it and it's freezing cold outside. But, like, I know some people that will eat chili on like a regular basis and that's not really me um but wings pizza nachos some sliders i'm in that's that sounds fantastic and you know you you look at super bowl parties and you usually have most of that if not all of it right you know, you you always have, oh, this person brings this, this person brings that, and then you just kind of snack off of everything. Um, but no, I'm, I'm probably going to have some wings on Sunday, might have a pizza. Uh, definitely looking forward to sitting down and watching a great Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Tomorrow, we will have audio from both teams' press conferences. So we will we will discuss that and much more about the Super Bowl during tomorrow's crunch time. But, you know, looking at some more top stories that we weren't able to get to right off the top of the show because 
of the LeBron James story going 10 different directions. There's a three-team trade in the works right now in the NBA. Trade deadline is tomorrow. Um, So there's a three-team trade in the works right now that would send D'Angelo Russell back to the Lakers. It would send Russell Westbrook to Utah. And it would send Mike Conley Jr. to Minnesota. James Mesh, your thoughts? Oh, the triple threat of point guards. Yeah, and... You get him, I get him, they get this one. And and you, you you know who's gonna win? that deal the Lakers the Lakers win that deal because your problem with D'Angelo Russell the first time that he was in LA was that still young he was still trying to become a pro right he was still young he didn't know what he was doing blah 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 well now he's gone to Minnesota and he's blossomed he's, he's turned himself into a pretty nice point guard A lot better of an option right now than Russell Westbrook is. Because right now all Russell Westbrook's doing is causing drama. I mean, he got into a heated exchange with his head coach last night. What? You you definitely don't want to see that. Um in your in your locker room. And apparently the heated exchange was during halftime. I've always thought ever since he left OKC that Russell was nothing but drama. And, I mean, it's kind of proving to be true that it is absolutely nothing but drama. So if you're the Lakers, you're obviously going to try to move on from Russell Westbrook. I think it's a good move for them to try to bring back D'Angelo Russell uh, if if you can because I just feel like that's a better fit for what LeBron is trying to do with the Lakers and is going to be a better fit for him, which is the goal, right? You're, you're building that roster to benefit LeBron in his last couple years in the NBA because that's just how the Lakers are operating right now. While LeBron's in L.A., they're trying to keep him in L.A. Looking at some more top stories, we haven't talked golf a whole lot this year. Rory McIlroy. Back at number one in the world. When he was asked about it, he said, I'm playing well. Are you? You're the Really, Rory? You're, you're, you're the top-ranked golfer in the world. You're not playing... You're playing well? Is that all you can say? I think I'm doing okay. I'm, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but I think some days I play okay. Some days are better than others. Oh, my God. And then... Patrick Mahomes, we we talked about the Super Bowl press conference. Patrick Mahomes said earlier today that his ankle is in a better spot ahead of the Super Bowl. It's incredible what two weeks off will do for you. I still don't know that he's going to be 100%, though. That's, That's the thing. Your high ankle sprain is an injury that isn't going to be healed unless you are off of it for weeks at a time. And he hasn't been off of it. Now, do I think he's going to be able to perform better in the Super Bowl than he was in the AFC Championship game? Yes. And, I mean, he played pretty well in the AFC Championship game. 
I think he will be 80% Patrick Mahomes. But I still don't think he's going to be able to be as shifty and elusive as he typically is. So that'll be interesting to see how the Eagles, who have 70 sacks as a defense this year. Endless rotation of defensive linemen and edge uh, rushers. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be able to attack that. I still think the Chiefs are going to win the game. But you are going to have to do some creative and off-the-wall things to get it done. Kadarius Tony at quarterback. You, you're going to have to figure out, you're going to have to do some end-arounds and you know, just figure out some kind of way to catch the Eagles off guard. Philly special. God, run the run the Philly special against them. <laughs> that would be fun. I think they'll see it this time. Probably. Probably. Um, you know what they should do? Should just one play. Have Jason and Travis go at it. Just line Jason just line Travis up on the uh defensive no, line. No tackle. Oh my god. That actually would be pretty funny. That'd be hilarious. Just one play. Just one play. And then another play, you put Travis out there at linebacker to try and guard Travis. That would be so good. (laughs) That would be so good. So later this this week, we're going to look at some of the biggest Super Bowl prop bets, including how long the national anthem is going to take. Hour number one in the books. We're going to kick off hour number two with our guy Corey Diaz talking LSU women's basketball against South Carolina right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time is here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we recapped LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. We got into a debate about who was better between LeBron and Michael. We talked with... Kate Dubon from the American Gaming Association about this Sunday's mega Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles. And now it's time to talk about another event going down this Sunday between number three LSU and number one South Carolina. Both teams 23 and 0 so far on the season. A massive college basketball matchup that you can hear right here on the game, pregame beginning at 1230. On Sunday, it's Corey Diaz, the LSU women's basketball beat writer for the Daily Advertiser. Corey, what's going on, bud? How are you? Matt, what's up, buddy? How you been the last couple hours since I've seen you last? The last couple hours have been pretty good, man. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a long, you know, four hours, but uh, hang, hanging in there, man, doing good. So trying to dodge dodge raindrops at this point, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, looking at this matchup again, we've talked about LSU. <laughs> multiple times so far this season. Again, 23-0, and ain't being led by Angel Reese, who in those 23 games has 23 double-doubles. You know, a- another player that's really stepped up that I would like to start off with is, is Flauge Johnson as a freshman. Corey, did you know that she's also a pretty good rapper? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, 
yeah, before I had even um, before I'd even met her, before the season had started, man, I um, had heard some some rumblings that she was a uh, signed mu- musical artist, and and so you know naturally did some googling around, and yeah, man, she's uh, Rock Nation, which is the the record label owned by Jay Z. Uh, she's signed to that. She's been signed to Rock Nation uh, for a couple of years. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, man, she, she's fascinating because uh, I just got done doing a radio spot a little while ago, and, and Flage came up and, and said, uh, look, I know she was on America's Got Talent uh, the other night, um, you know, doing her rapping deal, and, and as good as she is, you know, on the mic, you know, on a stage, um, she might be a slightly better basketball player, man. I think she's been, you know, like you said, Matt, she's, in a lot of these games, especially the, the last, you know, three of the last five games that that you know LSU's had that's that's come down to the wire. Uh, she stepped up and made some big time plays and some big time moments, and she is a true freshman uh, again. And, I, and maybe it's part of this, you know, part of uh, her music career, right? Like, you know, to be an artist like that, you're in the spotlight. You know, you're on the stage, and sometimes it's just you. All eyes are on you. Uh, I think you can correlate that to, you know, her stepping up in these big time moments for, for Kim Mulkey and, and the LSU Tigers. I mean, all eyes are, are on the team. Somebody needs to step up, and make a big play. And, and she's no stranger to that spotlight. And, and she doesn't shy away from it. She steps up and she makes the plays. Um, so I think without her, man, um, I think they lose against Arkansas. Uh, she got some big rebounds and hit some key late free throws uh, against Georgia last week. Without her, they probably lose to Georgia. So I mean, you're talking about a true freshman man that's uh, you know a, a a signed rapper on a on a major record label, um, but she's also a, a big time player and a and a vital player uh, for this year this year's LSU, LSU women's basketball team. You know, you look at the last couple of games; they went to overtime with Georgia. They they struggled a little bit to put Texas A and M away most recently. Do you think that might hurt them a little bit heading into this massive matchup? With South Carolina on Sunday, who, even when they faced big time competition, they've seemed to put them away. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, Matt. I mean, I'm. I think LSU is more equipped to potentially pull off what would be a a mega upset uh, this Sunday inside Colonial Life Arena. Um, versus, say, the LSU of, of four or five weeks ago. And I do credit, um, you know, these games that they've had the last handful of times out where they've had to really find it within themselves, right, to win these games. I mean, three minutes to go against Arkansas a couple of weeks ago, Arkansas's winning by three. I mean, LSU had to find a way to win that game. Georgia last week played a, a damn near – Almost, per, almost perfect defensive game plan against LSU. And had they had played perfect defense, they would have beat LSU in regulation. But LSU found a way late to, to generate a couple turnovers and generate some offense in the transition to find a way to win this game. They, they've kind of won some of these games in the fourth quarter the last time, these last few times out in kind of different ways. Um, so I think that that positions them better. Uh, to to pull off again what would be a, a a major upset at South Carolina, but I will say on the other side of this coin, you know a lot of people want to kind of downgrade South Carolina's road win at UConn last Sunday, 
But, you know, people forget that Paige Beckers hasn't played this year. Uh, AZ Fudd did not play for UConn this Sunday. They're two, Geno's two best players were not on the court. And South Carolina, you know, only beats them by four. But that also shows you what kind of depth Geno has at UConn. UConn is a Final Four team. South Carolina went on the road, beat them at their place. I think South Carolina is playing its best basketball right now. Probably a recipe for, you know, um, I'm not saying LSU is going to get exposed uh, this weekend uh, at South Carolina, but I do think they're entering into a matchup where they haven't really seen, uh, they haven't seen yet what they're about to see. You know, looking at this matchup, obviously you know a thing or two about South Carolina women's basketball having just recently come from there before you moved to Lafayette. Aaliyah Boston, obviously she she's well known as being a national player of the year a couple of times in, in her career at South Carolina. And, and Don Staley, well known as one of the top coaches in the game. But like you, like you just mentioned, LSU probably hasn't seen anything like South Carolina so far this season. So in your opinion, since they haven't faced that yet, do you think that benefits them or hurts them? Well, I think if you're um, – it's dependent on kind of where you're trying to take the conversation, right? I mean, obviously I think if you're specifically talking about Sunday, yeah, it's going to hurt them. <laughs> uh, you know, South Carolina, you know, there's been a lot of talk uh, – you know, in the aftermath of, of the of the UConn game with that they had this past Sunday about you know the the physicality you know uh, of of how South Carolina plays. Um, yeah, there's been some physical teams that LSU has seen, but it's not going to be to the level of a you know uh, of a tandem inside right with uh, Leah Boston and Victoria Saxon. Uh, you know, Zia Cook did a tremendous job. On, uh, on Seneschal, you know, for UConn, who's been playing probably some of the best women's basketball in the last couple of weeks uh, of anybody anywhere. Um, but if you're talking about long-term goals, this, this is going to help LSU. This, this will, they will now know what it's actually going to take to win the SEC Women's uh, Basketball Tournament in Greenville next month. They, they will know after Sunday afternoon – They'll know. Okay, here's here's where we're going to need to get better. Here's where we're going to need to get stronger, and here's where we're going to need to not have, you know, intrepidation on how we need to pro- approach and attack some of these teams that we'll see, you know, in March. I.e., you know, South Carolina potentially in that SEC tournament championship game. So they'll have a they'll have a much more clearer blueprint of what it's going to take to accomplish their team goals. And I know one of those team goals was to win a league championship. They'll, they'll know they'll know much they'll have a much better idea after Sunday after seeing South Carolina for the first time this year what exactly that's going to look like. Chatting with Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser, you know when you get to a record like twenty three and zero, everybody kind of panics when it it becomes twenty three and one. Do you think do do you think a loss kind of derails LSU if they fall to South Carolina on Sunday? You know I I, I truthfully don't. Uh, Matt and um, and the reason why I say that is because I think what Kim has on the floor this year, you know, again, you're talking about Angel Reese, right? I think you know it's been a long time since Kim has had an on the court leader like her. 
Um, you know, and again, that's not even discrediting what Alexis Morris, you know, as a, as a, as a senior point guard, you know, brings to, to this group from a leadership standpoint on the court as well. I, I think, I think the right, the right pieces are in place, uh, for this LSU team to, uh, to not get discouraged in the least, um, by, by what may happen, you know, at South Carolina on Sunday afternoon. Um, and again, too, Matt, I mean, if they go up there, and they're in the game in the fourth quarter, which I don't think a lot a lot of people expect them to be. I think I think a lot of people are anticipating a comfortable win by Dawn and her ladies. Um, but let's say there's three minutes to go, and this is a tight game. Even if they end up losing that game, I mean, imagine the positives that that Kim can come into the locker room immediately after that and, and share with her team. You know, not many people expected you to push the number one team in the country, and you did today. You know, I mean, I, I think, I think that's where this is. You know, I don't, I don't believe, um, you know, one loss to South Carolina is going to derail anything. I mean, I, I know their next opponent, uh, Ole Miss, comes to comes to the PMAC four days after, um, and Ole Miss is a really good team. They're they're a top four, top five team in the SEC. Um, Coach Yo does a tremendous job with that with that group, and she's done a tremendous job with that program the last two or three years. Um, but uh, as good as Ole Miss may be, uh, you know, you might they might run into a pissed off LSU team uh, next week, and so um, I don't I don't think so, man. I think again the, the expectation is a loss on Sunday. Um, now, what the expectation may be in, in the in, in the SEC tournament next month after it's Sunday, that kind of remains to be seen. Um, but one loss isn't going to hurt this team. And Corey, you were at the Raging Cajuns baseball media day earlier today. You know what can you take away from what Matt Dex had to say in preparation of the 2023 season? Yeah, man. I think look, um, you know, this is a team that returns a lot of pieces uh, from a from an NCAA regional team last year, um, and that's. That's the baseline expectation, man. I think this team fully anticipates getting back to a regional. And I think this team has its sights set on getting out of regionals and getting to supers. Um, you know, and I think they're they're talented enough and I think they have the right the right level of experience at the right places. Um, you know, you know, I asked Dex about, you know, having Julian Brock back, you know, at, at catcher. You know, he said, I mean, outside of the guy that's on the mound, you know, that's the most important position on the team. And they've got a guy back there that, you know, as Matt said, you know, uh, is responsible for hosting the party, bringing all the chips and the dips to the party, you know, make, literally making sure everyone on the team is doing what they're doing. And a guy that has that level of experience, I mean, he he's kind of going to be the the straw that stirs this drink uh, for this team this year, and I think he's uh, he's more than capable of doing that. Uh, also, too, um, you know, apparently he's uh, he's a good joke teller. Uh, we I think you and I learned that today when we talked to Jake Hammond. Uh, you know, it, it's guys like that. I think it's those personalities uh, in the in this clubhouse uh, for the Cajuns baseball team this year, man. That I think um, I don't think it's out of the it shouldn't shock anyone that they uh, fully expect to repeat as Sunbelt champions uh, to get back to NCAA regionals and to get out of it and try to get to supers. I mean, I think that should be where this team should try to aim for, um, you know, with the amount of talent that they have back, uh, the, the talent that they brought in, uh, whether it be, you know, incoming freshmen or transfers. Um, you know, I think the, 
this might be one of the better uh, you know UL baseball teams that um, you know that Cajun fans have probably seen in, in a little bit. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joining us here on the game hotline. Corey, appreciate you as always. Uh, enjoy the battle this weekend between LSU South Carolina, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate you. And there he goes, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. So he brought up Julian Brock's a, a good joke teller. Uh, we were chatting with Jake Hammond, who is presumed to be the Friday night starter for the Cajuns. And he said sometimes when he gets a little rattled, he'll just have Julian Brock come to the mound and tell him a joke to kind of like ease his mind, right? And so we asked him what was the best Julian Brock joke that he's ever gotten. And he said, man, they're all bad. He said, but if if I had to give you a, a decent one, he said, why are there no tests at the zoo? James, do you want to try to, to answer? Why are there no tests at, at the, the zoo? zoo? Throw it on me. I don't know. Too many cheetahs. Oh, man. I have heard that. That's a, <laughs> he gets, he, so he just gets his jokes off of Laffy Taffy's. Hey, I mean, it works. It works. Like, uh, I'm sure he'll just be, Jake will be like, oh, man. Okay. We'll and, take- then, and then Julian comes by. He's like, hey. I got I got one for him. he's like shut up Julian go away yeah don't 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 just, talk to me <laughs> just shut up go away don't don't talk to me we'll take a time out we'll hear from Bob Marlin in preparation for their matchup with Southern Miss tomorrow night first place in the Sun Belts on the line we'll hear from the coach next this is crunch time on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our awards club, score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, $50 to Richard Seafood at Patio in Abbeville, and $25 to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But the only way to score one of these great prizes to help with Valentine's Day is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 521, almost 522. Please be careful with that severe weather that is entering our area. If you're out on the roadways, please be careful. You don't need to be out on the roadways. Stay inside for tonight. Um, 522, once again, game hotline is 337-706-0111. We're about 10 minutes away from a Super Bowl spotlight conversation with former Cajun and two-time Super Bowl champion Brandon Stokely. You know, looking at Cajuns basketball, they're leaving today for Hattiesburg to host Southern Miss tomorrow night. Not to host Southern Miss, to play Southern Miss tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. tip-off. Battle for first place in the Sun Belt Conference. A lot at stake for Bob Marlin's group. He gave his opening thoughts on the road trip. We had another good week. 
23 has been good to us so far. We played at home, which we're glad to be at home these two weeks. Now we have to go back on the road. So it's been a, a joy to be at home and play at the Cajun Dome in front of our fans and, and continue to, to play good basketball. Texas State uh, gave us a, a good game the other night. We knew they would. Uh, we pulled away in, in the second half a little bit. And I think we led wire to wire in both games this past week. So we did some good things uh, in both games. And we're just excited to be where we are and be in contention going down the stretch, playing teams that we're in contention with for the conference championship. Coach Marlin also spent some time talking about his thoughts on the matchup between the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles. As I said, we're going on the road this week. We started this streak. We were 0-2 with Southern Miss here, beat them 15. Uh, they've played extremely well since, and uh, with their only other loss being to Marshall uh, in Huntington. So we are, we were expecting a big crowd at Reed Green Coliseum on Thursday night. Uh, hopefully we'll have some fans there as well. I know they're, they're really promoting this basketball game and trying to get – set a record crowd there or back to what used to be in the 80s when they won the NIT. And then lastly, he talked about Southern Miss and their identity currently being one of the top teams in the Sunbelt Conference. The biggest difference is they've, they've got a guard back that played, uh, I believe he's from Puerto Rico, and he's done a good job for him and helped spell Mo Arnold some at the point. So that, that's been good for them. Uh, Denjay Harris has played well at times. Uh, DeAndre Pinckney's played well at times. Uh, Hase, and of course, Austin Crowley's one of the best guards in our league. And he struggled a little bit from the floor the other night at Georgia State, but they were still able to win. So they're doing the same things they've been doing. They've been consistent like us. You've got to go with who you are, especially at this time of year. You know, looking at this matchup, obviously it's a battle for first place in the Sun Belt. There's a lot on the line here. But like Bob like Bob Marlin mentioned, these two teams have played each other before. Just three weeks ago, they battled inside the Cajun Dome with the Cajuns coming away with a 75-61 to victory in that contest. So when you look at it, the Cajuns know what it's going to take to beat Southern Miss. The biggest question mark is going to be the environment. From the talk within Southern Miss's university, it's going to be a sellout crowd inside Reed Green Coliseum. 8,100 people are, is what they're expecting inside the Coliseum tomorrow night. So how do you factor in that environment? How do you get off to a hot start early, kind of take the environment out to where it just becomes a basketball game from that point? Uh, I think that's going to be key for the Cajuns tomorrow night. I think they could get the win, but here's the thing. Even if they fall short to Southern Miss, yes, they won't be the top seed anymore, but a top four seed, you go all the way to Saturday. You get a double bye. You don't play in the conference tournament until Saturday. That's huge. So I think if the Cajuns, obviously the goal is to win. If you can win, great. But if you fall short, everything that you want to accomplish is still in front of you. So, you know, if I'm Bob Marlin, the message is play your game, control what you can control, and the chips will fall how they will. And 
you know that that's really all there is to it. Um, but at the end of the day, again, like I said, even if you fall short on the road, everything you want to accomplish is still directly in front of you. We'll take a time out here. Brandon Stokely, former Cajuns legend and two-time Super Bowl champion, joins us on the game hotline for the Super Bowl spotlight. Next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Hey, football fans, FanDuel has the perfect way for everyone to get in on Super Bowl 57 action with a no-sweat same-game parlay. That means everyone can get bonus bets back if your Super Bowl same-game parlay doesn't hit. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. Same-game parlays let you combine all your favorite bets for a chance at a bigger payday. So start building your own or just bet a popular same-game parlay already built for you in America's number one sportsbook. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes to throw for at least 225 yards, A.J. Brown to have an anytime touchdown, and then for Jalen Hurts to rush for at least 25 yards. If you're new to FanDuel, no problem. You can sign up with promo code KLWB when you download the app. Either way, you'll get bonus bets back if your no-sweat same-game parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus leg minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire in seven days after the receipt. Max bonus $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.vandal.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 877 770 STOP. Very few players ever make it to the National Football League. With the first pick. Even fewer make it to the league's grandest stage. The Cincinnati Bengals, they are going to the Super Bowl. This next guest is someone who accomplished both. Time for Super Bowl Spotlight here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our next guest is a Louisiana Raging Cajuns football legend. Spent 14 seasons in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens, Indianapolis Colts, Seattle Seahawks, Denver Broncos, and New York Giants. And he participated in one Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl champion, however, winning Super Bowl 35 with the Baltimore Ravens and then winning Super Bowl 41 with the Indianapolis Colts. And he now hosts a daily sports radio show in Denver, Colorado, Stokely and Zach weekdays from 11 to 2 Mountain Standard Time. Our guest is Brandon Stokely. Brandon, thanks for taking the time on this Wednesday morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, you know, let's start at the very beginning. Let's let's go back to your Cajuns career playing for your father, Nelson Stokely. Talk about, you know, that experience playing with a guy like Jake DeLome at quarterback and kind of how that prepared you for your career in the NFL. Oh, I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, I was just a oh man, a young kid, just uh, happy to be playing college football. You know, I never was dreaming about playing in the NFL. I didn't think I was going to play uh, college football, and um, you know, got the opportunity and just wanted to have fun with it. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, I didn't have expectations that it was going to be. Um, you know what it was going to look like and i just wanted to go and just compete and have fun and and that that's really what it was and it was so enjoyable for me to be able to spend those five years with my father and be able to see him every single day um that was just uh so much fun i mean it's 
when your dad's a coach, you don't get to um, growing up. You don't get to see them a lot. They're they're on the road recruiting. They're out. You know, they're they're working a lot. So to be able to spend see him pretty much every day for five straight years was was really special for me. And then you know to be able to play with a quarterback like Jake Delhomme was was so much fun. Um, you know, he he's the ultimate competitor. He loves to compete. He loves to win, and that's really what it's all about. And uh, so it was just it was just so much fun, man. I mean, it was a special time there in that program, and uh, it was just it was a lot of fun. You you talked about how you didn't dream of playing in the NFL. Well, you know, in 1999, you get drafted in the fourth round by the Baltimore Ravens. You spent multiple years with the Ravens before going to the Colts, Broncos, Seahawks, and then rounding out your career with the New York Giants. Just kind of talk about your career as a landscape. You know, two-time Super Bowl champ. You had an 1,000-yard season in Indianapolis under Peyton Manning. You know, just kind of recap your career for us. Yeah, it was, um, you know, once again, I got drafted in the fourth round there by the Ravens, and I was just trying to survive. Uh, you know, I was hoping to play four or five years and um, and, and and just keep my head down. And, and th- it was the NFL, man. The NFL was huge. I, I like I didn't know I belonged in the NFL, and uh, so I just was going to work and, and and see what um, what it looked like. And and you know, like I said, just trying to to survive four or five years in the NFL and and trying to find my way. And and and, and I found my way really. You know, I ended up playing in that Super Bowl my second year and. I caught a touchdown, uh, but it took a few more years after that to really uh, find my my spot, and that was when I got to Indianapolis with Peyton Manning, and uh, kind of my my position really moved from outside wide receiver to just all the time, predominantly in the slot, and and that, and I, that that's what I did well, and and so um, and then after that it was it was um, I took what I learned from Peyton in, in Indianapolis and. And when I went to other places, when I went to Denver and I went to Seattle and um, went to went to these different places, the coaches really appreciated my attention to detail and how I ran routes, and the quarterbacks appreciated it. And, and, the, and the position of, of being a slot receiver uh, grew um, through the years, and it became more important for teams. The passing game evolved. Uh, so, um, and and you know, I, I owe a lot to my time in Indianapolis and, and just being around Peyton Manning and, and the, the accountability that he had and the attention to detail that he had. Um, uh, so in my, my career, you know, I started as, as an outside wide receiver and the passing game wasn't a huge part of, of the of football when I first started. And then towards the end, now you see where it is now and, you know, you're seeing three, four wide receivers all the, all the time. You know, going back to Super Bowl thirty-five, that game where the the Baltimore Ravens took down the New York Giants, you scored. Not only did you score a touchdown, you scored the first touchdown of that game. Walk us through that moment, that thirty-eight yard touchdown pass from Trent Dilfer, and just what that meant to you to be able to say that you scored a touchdown in a Super Bowl. Yeah, that was really special. Um, you know, I, you don't you don't know. I never imagined. Like I said, I didn't think I was going to play in the NFL, and Certainly didn't expect to be in the Super Bowl my second year, and there we were. We we're in the Super Bowl, and the whole time my, my thought process process was, let's just win this thing because I don't know if I'm ever going to get back. So I want to win it, man. I'm here. I got a chance to win a Super Bowl. Let's go ahead and win this Super Bowl. And I just remember being so focused, and my receiver coach had us prepared. 
ready to go. We saw their, I saw their coverage, and I knew I had a chance at, at, a, um, at, at a possibly at, at a big play in that moment. And I just wanted to beat my guy in front of me, and then the quarterback hopefully could beat the safety. And uh, Trent Dilfer did a great job of looking left, and then he came back and just threw a perfect pass to me. And uh, I just, you know, I, I got up and I looked down and I realized I was in the end zone. And um, yeah, it was it was it was really really special. Uh, but at the same time, my whole mindset then was, all right, you scored a touchdown. No one cares if you score a touchdown if you lose, right? You got to win this thing. I mean, it's not going to be cool. Yeah, I scored a touchdown, but we lost. No, you got to score a touchdown. You got to win. So. Uh, now, it, from that moment on, it was like, man, let's, we got to get this win. We got to get this win. And we did. We, we ended up winning the football game. Um, and then, you know, after for me was, was so special with my dad and my grandfather, uh, being there and, uh, taking that moment in, in with me and my two sisters and just, uh, you know, what they meant to me, uh, growing up and, and, and getting to that spot. Uh, but to be able to celebrate with them after the football game was really special. Chat with Brandon Stokely here on Crunch Time for the Super Bowl Spotlight. You know, you mentioned your, your time in Indianapolis playing with Peyton Manning and under um, Tony Dungy, looking at Super Bowl Forty One, that great win for the Colts over the Bears. You had a good season that year, however, you couldn't play in the Super Bowl due to an injury. Just kind of talk about that moment. You know how how frustrating that was. But also the the lessons that you kind of learned having to see it from the sidelines. Yeah, um, obviously two way different Super Bowls for me. Um, won both of them, but you know got to play in one, and the other one was injured. I tore my Achilles in December, and um, so that was that was really frustrating. That was tough when you. Uh, I was on uh, some really good football teams in, in Indianapolis, and that was my fourth year there, and. We finally got over the hump and finally got to the Super Bowl and finally won the Super Bowl and you're not you're not a part of it. Uh, that's not fun. It, it wasn't a fun year for me um, personally, uh, but it was it was awesome to see Peyton win that Super Bowl. He deserved it. And, um, there was so much talk about you know will he ever win the Super Bowl and all these different things. And so it was really really um, as a friend just. Um, it was it was great to see him be able to take that next step and win the Super Bowl. Uh, but for me personally, it um, it wasn't it wasn't a fun season. Um, but it was it was great to see uh, that team um, you know get get the win. And then you know, on the back half of your career, you spent time with the Seattle Seahawks, most notably that 2010 season. Right after the Saints won the Super Bowl, you guys matched up with the Saints in the first round of the playoffs and got to defeat the defending Super Bowl champs. Talk about that experience, and especially watching Marshawn Lynch beat everybody down the field. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was a, you know, that was a different year for me. That was really the first time. Um, I think that was, uh, uh, that was like my uh, 12th, 13th year, something like that. And, um, and that was the, uh, no, like my 11th year. Sorry. Uh, but that was the first time I had got cut in training camp by the by the Broncos, and um, I still wanted to play football. I knew I still had some good years left in me, and um, I knew though if I wanted to play, I was going to have to go away from home and away from my family, and and so uh, that's what I decided to do. And I signed with the Seahawks after the third week of the season. 
I was injured uh, during training camp and finally got healthy. And I went out there for a visit, knew a couple of their coaches. I signed with them um, right after the visit, and and there I was, you know, living in Seattle by myself. All my family, uh, my two boys and my wife, were in Denver, and I just stayed out there um, for the for the rest of the season and um, all the way through a couple playoff games. So it was different for me, not having my family around. They would come visit, but not having them around day to day. Uh, was was definitely a, a different um, football season. Uh, so that that was that was tough. When, once you start trying to navigate those waters, where you're you're going to a different city to to, to play, and, and you know my kids are in school and stuff, they're not going to go for four or five months. So that was different. Uh, but man, it was it was fun. It was Pete Carroll's first year there in Seattle, and um, it was we weren't very good. Uh, they made a lot of transactions, a lot of roster moves uh, during that year. I think it was the most in the NFL history at the time. And, you know, we were the first team to win, the, to make the playoffs with a losing record. Uh, so we, we were, and I think we did play the Saints earlier in the year. They whipped us up, up pretty good. And my expectations in that game uh, against the Saints weren't, uh, weren't very high. I, I kind of had my bags packed uh, expecting that the defending champs were probably going to take care of us. And, you know, we just made some plays early in that football game and got a lead, put a little pressure on them. And that crowd in Seattle, that home field, uh, home field advantage is something else. And they were rocking. And, and there it was late in the football game, trying to kind of run the clock out, and make a, two or three first downs. And Marshawn Lynch, I just remember being on the sideline watching it. He just, it was just unbelievable. It was such a remarkable run. And it still amazes me when I see it uh, on TV now, uh, what, what he was able to do uh, on that run. You know, looking back at, at the two Super Bowls you were a part of, Super Bowl 35 and then Super Bowl 41, like you mentioned earlier, both drastically different for you. But in both of them, what kind of memories can you take away, not, not only from the game, but from the experience of the whole week with the media and the fans and things like that? Yeah, the first one um, was was just great. I mean, like I'm just pinching. I was pinching myself the whole time that I'm at the Super Bowl, and your family gets there like on Wednesday or Thursday, something like that. You get to spend a couple days with them, seeing them. But I was just laser focused on going out there and being prepared and playing a great football game, and um, and and that's that was my mindset. Uh, and and then the second one. Um, for me was and the memories in that first one like I said was just my family and just having them there and and just seeing the the smiles on their faces um you know my dad my grandfather and just knowing how much a a a part they were of me being in that in that position and so uh so that was just the whole week was just special the whole two weeks was special and um the, the the second one for me was just a, a total opposite. You know, I just had surgery on my Achilles late December uh, to, to to fix my Achilles that I, that I tore, and I'm walking around in a boot, and you're just kind of the odd man out. You're not. I'm not playing. I don't want to get in the way, and so you, you're just um, you're just trying to stay out of the way, and it's 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 depressing to be honest about the whole situation because you know how much fun it is. And especially in that situation in Indianapolis, we were fighting and clawing for 
four years to get over the hump to finally beat New England. And then in the AFC Championship, we finally did beat New England and um, get to the Super Bowl. And it was a special group of, of guys on that football team. And and then they finally win it, which was awesome. But when you're not a part of it, when you're not out on the field helping um, do something at all, then, you know, you're just really, you really didn't do anything. You know, you really didn't accomplish or achieve anything. So that was, um, that wasn't as much fun, certainly. Uh, but it was great to see, like I said, my teammates and, and, and see Peyton finally get that Super Bowl. Uh, so it was, it was really two polar opposites for me. And, um, uh, but, but both were still good. One was a lot better than the other. As we start to wrap up, Brandon, looking at this year's matchup between the Eagles and the Chiefs, two of the top quarterbacks in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, two great defenses as well. Talk about this matchup and, and who you got winning it. Yeah, it should be a good one. Um, I think the I think the Eagles for me are the most complete uh, football team um, in, in the NFL. I, I, I thought them and the Forty Niners were, were the two most complete teams and and um heading into that uh, that nfc championship game and the eagles just got after them and it wasn't uh, fair that the, the niners really didn't have a quarterback that could throw the football uh but I, I think the eagles are the more complete team you have patrick mahomes you have travis kelsey you have a you have a super bowl uh, championship pedigree there in 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 kansas city i mean they're playing in big games it seems like every year whether it be the Super Bowl, AFC Championship game, every year, and they, they so they have that something about them that that um, you know knows how to win in big games, and they're not scared of the moment. Uh, Andy Reid is a is, is a great coach, and so you look at the coaching here, and he's been there and done that. Andy Reid has it. Nick Sirianni, he hasn't. Uh, so will the moment be a little bit too big for him? But the Eagles are aggressive football team. That's the way they play. I just think they're the most complete team. They can run it. They can throw it. They got a big, powerful offensive line. They got a big, powerful wide receiver in AJ Brown. They got Devontae Smith, the fast speedster. They got a really good tight end. Uh, and their quarterback, I mean, the transition that he's made and how he's worked himself into being an upper echelon quarterback has been just very, so impressive in just a few years. And their defense can get after you. So uh, for me, I, I got the Eagles in this one. I just think they're the more complete football team that can beat you in, through the air, on the ground, and their defense can make life miserable for you. Two-time Super Bowl champion and Raging Cajuns legend Brandon Stokely joining us here on the game hotline for the Super Bowl spotlight. Brandon, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the game this weekend, and more importantly than that, enjoy covering Sean Payton for the next five years. I can't wait. I can't wait uh, for Sean Payton, man. I'm I'm fired up about it. Our, Our fans here at Broncos country are fired up about it, so it should be fun. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully he can bring us a Super Bowl here like he did uh, to New Orleans. So it should be fun. Brandon, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And there he goes. Brandon Stokely, Raging Cajuns legend and two-time Super Bowl champion. We will take a timeout, wrap up today's Crunch Time right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday morning, get two $20 vouchers to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for only $20. That's $40 in vouchers, and you can get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com this Friday to score $40 in vouchers to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for only $20. 
From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 554 here on your Wednesday as we start to wrap up today's edition of Crunch Time. Tonight, LSU and Mississippi State will battle it out. 8 p.m. tip, 7.30 pregame. Catch it right here on the game. Mississippi State, a nine-and-a-half point favorite inside of Humphrey Coliseum up in Starkville. You know, you look at this matchup, and obviously LSU on a little bit of a skid. Ten-game losing streak so far. One and nine in the SEC, but Mississippi State's only three and seven in the SEC. So, you know, K.J. Williams has a strong night. Adam Miller knocks down a couple of threes. You only lost by 10 last time. You could to the, be. To the uh, Crimson Tide after losing 40 the previous time. So it's like there, there's a little bit of improvement. Maybe there's a chance. You could be in this. Potentially. There it is. Maybe. We hope. Hypothetically. In, in some world. What was the what was the line by Doctor Strange? I've seen f- like fourteen million different like scenarios, and not one of them has that in it. Only one of only one of them has it in it. There's one world, maybe it's this one. So here's the thing: looking at the New Orleans Saints, if the Saints only have to give up a third rounder to get Derek Carr, kind of feel like that's a win. I'm about it. I don't love the move. I'm not a huge fan of the move. I think it gives you a better chance of... Because here's the thing. Unless there's a major move, say the Falcons getting Lamar, because that's a possibility, unless there's something big like that, I can't look at any of the other teams in the NFC South for me to say Derek Carr isn't the best quarterback in the division. Oh, he'd be the best quarterback in the division. He would. He would. And if that's the case, the weapons aren't that great. You still got Pete Carmichael, but maybe Pete Carmichael shows that's a little bit of improvement. Me. Maybe he shows it. It's kind of early to tell. Don't be a worry wart, Miguel. But the defense still looks pretty Don't good. Don't call me Miguel. Oh, oh, you're still Miguel. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't be butthurt. That is disrespectful to, to my family. I thought you were going to say that's disrespectful to Miguel's everywhere. I mean, (laughs) that too, but oh my God. Um, Look, I don't don't hate the move. I'm not a fan of it, but here's the thing. At the end of the day... Who's that much better? You're right. You're right. But here's the big thing. If it works, who cares? Thanks to our guests today, Kate DeBon, Corey Diaz, and Brandon Stokely for joining us on the game hotline for the producer extraordinaire James Mesh I'm Matt Miguez be safe be well hug your mom and them and we'll talk to you tomorrow 4 to 6 right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros